The Exposed Podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play Music, Spotify, and Podbean. Links below in the description. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? This is Exposed, Episode 8, and I have another very special guest with me here, The maybe the oest OG of YouTube. I don't know if that makes any sense, but we'll roll with it. Ashens, who's been... Hello. We, we were just talking about how he's been new in YouTube before I even knew YouTube existed. I actually checked your channel, and your first upload was in 2006. Yes, February 2006. It feels longer ago than it was, if that's possible. It it feels like another lifetime, man. It, it, it's just so weird that this platform has been around for as long as it's been around. Like it, it like when I look at my old videos, and I'm sure you do the same. It, it just doesn't even feel like the same website as it did back then. Oh no, the the difference is night and day, isn't it? If you look on the Wayback Machine or something and see how it was set up and how everything was very, oh, here's today's videos that got the most views and things like that, and it's yeah, very different to today's algorithm-led YouTube. And it was almost like your YouTube channel was a MySpace page. If you've, someone pointed mm. that out to me, that it was they were trying to copy <laughs> MySpace for a while, and it's true. Yeah. <laughs> it absolutely is. Yeah, with your profile. And all that. Almost surprised they didn't employ their own Tom to make friends with you. But <laughs> I remember no, that. Yeah, the, everyone was friends with Tom, and he had that oh, one yeah. picture where he was like this. And, <laughs> yeah, I forgot about whiteboard. Yes. Oh and then, he, then he sold that to like Fox or something like that, and now he just goes around the world taking pictures. So that sounds nice. I could live with that. So how? I know that gamer from Mars actually made a video from you. How mm. the hell? have you remained as relevant on this platform for is because everyone usually comes and goes. Most people have, I I think it's like a two year expiration date. It's like you, you, (laughs) you age like bad milk on YouTube in most cases. And you have, I certainly have. Yes. No, you haven't. I feel like I have, I got, (laughs) but how do you still use you? I was just, I, 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 your videos still do great. What, how did you do that? Like, I don't, I don't even know if they're like, people ask me that question all the time. I'm asking you, maybe, you know, what's the secret? <laughs> Sheer stubbornness. Mostly. I just refuse to go away <clears throat> like some sort of uh, horrifying disease that's infected YouTube. Um, I suppose partially I don't get bored of it because I keep changing up what I do very slightly. Um, and I generally only do things that really interest me, which probably isn't the best way to chase big numbers or anything, but it means I don't get bored of it and I don't suddenly sort of freak out and, ah, I can't do it anymore or anything. As for why people have been watching, I, I think that's possibly more coincidental than anything. I mean, it was always something slightly new and interesting back in the day, but now everything is so, you know, algorithm-led and, oh, we're not going to promote this video for this, this keyword and that keyword. So pure luck at the moment, and I'm sure I'll mess it up very shortly and disappear completely. But until then, the tat must flow. I don't think so. You've been doing this for, at least on YouTube anyway, for 14 years. You've, I don't know. You you keep on tripping into the right part of the algorithm. So I think my videos are so weird, they just can't work out how to destroy me properly. That's my guess. How the hell do you... Like, I've watched a billion of your videos where you eat and drink stuff that's been expired for... Uh, like 20, 20, 30 years, if not more. We're, now, I know people send them to you too. I think that's more amazing to me because who the hell has this stuff laying around? <laughs> like, I, I like get skeeved out if there's cheese in my fridge that's past the expiration date for two days and you're getting stuff from like the 1800s. <laughs> I hate that as well. I can't stand expired food in the fridge. There's an irony to that. But uh, it's one of those things where it's obviously very hard to find uh, food that's massively out of date. So that's where the sort of crowdsourcing aspect of it comes in. Whose grandmother has just moved out of her house and you cleaned her cupboards and you found this bottle of LucasAid from 1973? Perfect. If you don't want it, please pop it over to the P.O. box and I'll try a small amount of it and feel ill for about an hour. Didn't you get where it was like olives from like the 1800s or something. Oh, 
nothing's going to ever beat that. Yeah, the olives. They were about 100 years older than we thought they were as well. We had, um, no! They were f- found in a shipwreck off the coast of Scotland. No! <laughs> Which is the most ludicrous story. It was absolutely true. Um, and, yeah, they were just olives that had been stored in a bottle. But, I mean, it was just some horrifying sludge now that was... 98% bacteria, I imagine. I did not try those because... No, I saw the video, I yeah, remember. Yeah, that what, would not be good. No, you would have been in the... Ho- what the hell does that smell like? It was... I, you know, I can't quite remember. It wasn't good, put it that way. It wasn't as bad as I was expecting, but then your mind does run away with you when you're thinking about olives that are several hundred years old and have been sitting under the sea in a rotting ship. <laughs> I mean, at that point, you're probably wondering if it was even olives at that point. It could, who the hell knows what else seeped into the friggin' bottle. Oh, God. Yeah, absolutely. What could have got in through the cork? I mean, we, it was an, a bottle of olives. Maybe the sailors had tipped them out and, I don't know, um, put ho- all sorts of horrifying things into it. We've got no way of knowing. What was one of the things you've tried that you were actually surprised it wasn't as horrific as you thought it would have been due to the age? Like, you were like, wow, this actually isn't that bad and it may not kill me. Hmm, they're usually pretty bad, anything that's too over... I'm sure there's been something like that, and I can't put my finger on it now. Let me think what we've done recently. Um, It was drinks recently. Those were pretty bad, I'll be honest with you. The 20-year-old Pepsi probably wasn't as bad as I was expecting, but still, no, half of it had evaporated. That's not a good sign. What I'm (sighs) surprised at when I've looked at some of the... It doesn't look bad, and then I see your reaction to it, and you're horrified, so I'm sure it tastes disgusting. But some of it, oh, actually, yes. it, it's just amazing that now do you now you get most of it sent to you or is it like you actually look for it online or is it a mixture of both like what do you i very rarely look for it online um they're usually things people will get in touch and send something over um that's the most common sometimes at live events somebody will hand me some sort of horrifying expired thing sometimes colleagues come up with something uh we had a drink recently from us uh one of the main sound engineers we work with had cleared out the grandmother's house and found some very old stuff um but yeah it's the ones that hand them to you in person that are my favorite they always put them in a plastic bag first like they don't want to be contaminated (laughs) (laughs) and how long have you been doing that before where you do the the uh disgusting old food because i remember for a couple of years Oh, yeah, years and years now. I genuinely can't remember when it started. The first thing was somebody, when I just had a P.O. box that was open and anybody could send stuff to it because it was just sort of a generic address, somebody just found some horribly expired jelly babies, the little uh, jelly sweets, and thought, oh, I'll just send them to him. That'll be funny. And I thought, ah, well, that's interesting. Let's open them on camera. And they're sort of multicolored fruit-flavored things, and they had all turned a very weird dark shade of brown. I did not try them. <laughs> it was the first one. People were so interested in it. I thought, ah, that was quite interesting, actually. I'd totally do that again. And then it picked up momentum very quickly. And before I knew it, people were, yeah, sending me several hundred-year-old olives from shipwrecks. Yeah, it's so weird how – I mean, I watch it too, so I'm I'm the same thing, how people love to see – I guess you could say other people suffer by trying things oh, yeah. that they would That's never a big dare try. of YouTube, absolutely, yeah. You know, I, I watch like um, I forgot the name of the other YouTuber, La Beast, and oh yes, the suffering that, yeah. that he does. And I remember he drank a whole like twenty-year-old Crystal Pepsi and. That's actually what sprang to mind when you mentioned his name. Yes, that, he, project, he projectile vomited <laughs> after he. It was horrifying, and he ends up in the hospital sometimes. This, this is not good. Please well, don't do this to yourself. Well, that's where you're smart, though. Like you, you make that. You'll make the call. Like, all right, this is like a bread-based thing. It probably won't kill me. I'll take a nibble of it. But where, or if, yeah, this smells like death. I'm not going a mile near it. He'll, he'll just take whatever the hell he gets and just suffer through it. I mean, very small amounts is the key. You really don't want food, or you don't want to end up in the hospital. People only need to know what the taste is. They don't need to necessarily see you being very ill and well, <laughs> carted away in an ambulance. You know. Well, I, I guess they, I, I guess they enjoy watching people suffer. But yeah, at least I, I wouldn't do it. I, I'm actually, I give you credit for what you do because I skeeve everything. So there'd be no way I could even like if I had to. I would probably be hurling before you even opened the bottle of the. Of the of the olives up before I even saw them. Oh. Yeah, you want one of the really smelly ones, like the sir strumming or something, the fermented herring, I think it is, which is 
I always said I wouldn't do it on the channel because it, it's so the smell is so intense and horrifying that if you like drop a bit of the juice juice or the oil it is. it is on the floor yeah that's it you've got to rip the floorboard up you know it just won't fade who the i always i, I used to i watched like eight billion sir drawing videos because it's just it's one of those things that like how the fuck do people even eat that yeah. and I watched like I don't I forgot I think it's a Swedish dish I'm not even sure where but I saw someone from yeah, the native Swedish. country Swedish and it's like you have to be outside you gotta like quarantine yourself and you have to put it on a cracker with six thousand other things and you put like a layer of it on there that why is it even worthwhile but then it's delicious that way I'm like <laughs> it is quite nice though I genuinely did quite enjoy it when we did that yeah did you but really the opening of it yeah yeah it was it was fine yeah. But you, you do have to do it like that. You don't just, like, pull a bit out and eat it, because that's going to be bad times. It tastes nowhere near as bad as it smells, but to be honest, it smells so ludicrously bad that I don't think anything possibly could. I'm still, I still have a memory of us opening that. We opened it in the garden, and the neighbor's cat was walking through the garden, looked at us as we opened it, and just shot away, and we didn't see it for about two weeks. <laughs> oh god if a cat can't take it the exactly, hell can't. yes if a cat doesn't want the fish you know it's bad animal animals will literally eat their own shit if they don't want the fish that's a problem but, uh, that, but that just makes you think like who sat down i mean i guess you could say that about any food but who like hundreds of years ago said wow this fish is rotting and absolutely disgusting we should actually try it <laughs> the stench is so bad it's destroyed the house well we'd better eat it i suppose <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess if, depending on the time where food was more of a scarcity and it's like, all right, we got to get any nutrition we could get. But how like I don't know how you could stomach sitting through that and eating it. It just always makes me think, like, where the hell do food start from? And it has to be fermented in quite a specific way, I think. So it's, there's been sort of a weird build up to it. Maybe they started with it very slightly rotten and slowly <laughs> over the years built it up into this horrifying miasma of bacteria. I mean, I guess you could say the same thing about cheese, too. I mean, who the hell said, hey, let's have milk sit around and rot, and maybe it'll actually taste good and eat it. <laughs> who first milked a cow? And what did they think they were doing? You know, they'd be just done yeah. to It's so true. Like, it's just amazing how we have all these different foods and things like that, and what the, where do they started from? Like, who sat there and said, hmm, I'm going to squeeze a cow's udder or, I guess, maybe a nipple, and, oh, this stuff is coming out. I should try and taste it, and maybe hopefully it won't kill me. <laughs> <laughs> who thought that milk from another animal would be fine but yeah obviously it is i think we've worked that one out by now but cracky yeah there's a start point to all these things but um yeah a long time ago and you used to do a lot of well first off you still do the couch which i love because it, that's one of the things that's amazing to me is that people i'm guilty of this where i, I flip-flop my format every five minutes but you still kind of have to a degree the same production value and it kind of proves that if the personality works that's what brings people to you where what made you use the couch i know that sounds uh, like a stupid ongoing visual continuity and <laughs> no the, the couch was used entirely by accident at first so um the first video i did of that style of something on the sofa was the original pop station video oh many moons ago god i watched that i remember that thing <laughs> Also fuzzy and the oh the audio is terrible but hey that was YouTube back then um, so it was before YouTube I think I recorded that if I remember it was uh, to do with a forum for an old video games journalist we used to hang around on and chat that kind of stuff and somebody spotted on eBay this pop station this ridiculous rip off of the Sony PSP which was the new big thing at the time and I thought it was like five pounds I thought I've I've got to just get this and then I got it and thought what well, I need to show people this I'm just gonna you know, improvise a sort of very short um, five-minute video showing it off and just uploaded it to, like, you know, put WMVfile.net or something ridiculous, thinking that only the people on this forum would see it, like about 15 people or something. But one of them forwarded the link to Beta, which is a big creative newsletter. It goes out on the Friday, a sort of UK-based thing. And it went out and, like, 70,000 people downloaded it or something, which at the time Holy was... crap! absolutely unbelievable so my god and of course i hadn't said what my name was or my website or branded it in any way because i didn't think anyone would see it so immediately overnight everybody was claiming they'd made it and re-uploading it everywhere I was like, 
go, well, I'd better do a second one now, if only to prove I did the first. Yeah, seriously. So, yeah, got a fake um, Nintendo DS that I found at the local market, did a second video, uploaded that, still forgot to put my website at the end. I still can't believe that to this day, but did actually appear in camera first to explain who I was. And that did yeah, just as well, views-wise. And I thought, ah, well, people will be sick by, like, the third one. So I did a third one of something I bought in a discount shop and uploaded that, and it was still popular. And But this time I'd, up, 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 <coughs> oh, excuse me. I'd uploaded everything to uh, Google Video because I always back the winner. That, of course, disappeared instantly. And then switched over to YouTube and... It just kept growing from there, really. People never got sick of it for some reason. I think it's because it's amazing the blatant ripoff shit that's out there. And not only <laughs> is it – if it was a blatant ripoff in good, I could understand. It's just how terrible it is on top of it too. And I think that's what fascinated – that's why I used to watch it. Like I can't believe they would actually sell this thing and try to justify it because it looks like the shape of another console. No one else now that happens all the time, but no one else was doing that really except you. And that's why I think it brought so many people to your channel. And that's what made it so interesting. And plus your take on it was interesting too. That's true. I suppose nobody else really was doing it. And there's, well, I suppose YouTube, YouTube was so new, wasn't it? That nobody had really thought to do a lot of things. It had such small um, traffic in the early days. And obviously that very quickly ramped up because, well, it's such an easy site to get into and watch, isn't it? Mm. Oh my god i do miss those old knockoff consoles but everything these days is either um a famiclone of some type or android based and they're all the same I, I miss the weird little games they had well now you also have companies like analog who make the amazing mm. clone consoles the f i love them i have Minus the, I, I just, it's too rich for my blood. They have that final, they're making the, the NT, the Nintendo again, and it's gorgeous, but it's 500 bucks. Yeah, oh. it's $500. I'm just Whoa. like, I got the email and I, I was like full boner and I'm like, uh, and I looked at it and it was like, oh, only for $500. I'm like, uh, you know, you're going to use the thing once and, and it's just going to yeah. sit under your TV. Don't, don't do it. <laughs> Yeah, I've got to get their handheld when it comes out. Yes, uh, me too. Or whatever. Yeah. If only if, oh, if they're going to do an adapter for Neo Geo Pocket Color, I would be very happy. But then having said that, it wouldn't have the little clicky joystick thing on it. So mm, swings and roundabouts. You know, that's, uh, I see why, though, you kind of got out of doing those clone cons because there's so many. Not only is there so many bad ones now, there's so many good ones. It's kind of become flooded. And that I, I see why you changed away from that. <laughs> So, yeah, a lot of them are actually competent these days. There's no fun in that. <laughs> you know? I've got a few interesting things that have, like, bespoke Chinese games they've had written for it that uh, are very short and simple. But they're kind of interesting, but equally, they're kind of competent as well. So it's not as much fun as the old days of fighters ripping their arms off and firing at them, each other and <laughs> chicken fights and nonsense like that. Well, since at games... Sega booted them. I really don't like the Sega's new clone console is phenomenal. They, their little the Sega Genesis Mini is phenomenal. Mm, but that's the, a nice one. Did you try the At Games one before that? Whatever, it actually had a, con, a cartridge slot on there. I've which were, oh my god, yes! I've got about three or four of the handheld ones. I've used a cartridge one somebody else had. It was you turn it on and the sound is just so far off, so far off. I I did a review on the last one that Sega worked with them on, and they finally kind of sort of got the sound right, but they screwed up everything else on it. And <laughs> it, I, I feel like it, like every, like it had frame skip. Why does a Sega Genesis, and that was at the time 2018, have frame skip? Like, my, I mean, the charger for your phone is probably powerful enough to run games these days. You know? I had the shittiest android phone ever i had a samsung intercept it could barely turn on but it could emulate sega genesis games perfectly and that came out in 2010 so <laughs> it, it, what i'm getting at though is my point being is that i get why now it's a different because back then it was so much there, the shit was such shit from those clone consoles it was fun to see how terrible it was and now it's like everyone's doing even bad companies are doing a decent job that's exactly right. Exactly right. Yep. Just with the basic Android hardware, be it or something simple, because you can just get these systems on a chip for almost no money whatsoever. Whereas if you look back at something, a knockoff console made in like the early 90s, a knockoff of a Game Boy or something, it's going to have an LCD screen. 
It's going to have buttons that don't work properly. It's going to look like a Game Boy that's been jumped on, and the game is going to make no sense whatsoever. But these days, yeah, you can actually have fun with them. But what's the point of that? Yeah, yeah well, what's the fun of making fun of them that they're not terrible? <laughs> yeah, you exactly. actually, you actually did, and I forgot about this. You did. There was like a UK version of the Game Boy. It had a what? What the hell was that? I'm just thinking of it now. It just popped in my brain. It was really terrible, and it, it it had a dot matrix display, but it was really bad. Oh, I've got I've got a few of those. Um, <clears throat> that would probably be the Quick Shot Supervision. Yes, that's what it was. Yep, originally the Watara Supervision, but yeah, sold by Quick Shot in the UK. Um, yeah, basically, it's like a Game Boy. The screen is bigger on most models. Very few games. The games are very small and pretty awful, and you thought the screen was bad on the original Game Boy. Oh, imagine that really? doubled up to 10. Yeah, just blurry. You can't quite make anything out holding it. In. The reason British people remember that is there was a TV show called Bad Influence, which yeah. is one of only really, the, ah, you know, the I yeah, remember, I know it. two yeah, um, sort of video game shows we had and due to it being broadcast on the bbc which have these laws about um not just showing all things from one company you have to show the competition as well it's like oh well you're showing the game boy a lot you must show this quick times or quick shot supervision and the presenter violet berlin told me well i told them nobody's got this thing it's really hard to buy and it's rubbish and I'm like, no no there must be balance so every other week there was like and what's the latest thing on the quick shot oh, they've released one game and it's a breakout clone that doesn't work. Brilliant. We'll all be rushing off and buying that. That was That's weird. So you have a law. Is that law still in the UK now where they have to have a competitive <clears throat> product? Just to- oh, it, it wasn't a law or anything. It was just the BBC. I think they were just internal. To be honest, their rules they'd made up themselves, really. I mean, I can understand not wanting to promote because as they're a, a government-backed broadcaster, you don't want to sort of promote one company over another. But have to be sensible about it as well because the game boy had no competition in a direct sense you know you had your links and your game gear but they did not run off batteries for very long and i mean the quick shot did run off batteries for very long you just wished it didn't really yeah like how many games were for that thing i saw the few of them that you had on the that's a really good question i want to know i'm going to look that up because i I mean, it actually didn't look like a bad system, but then you started playing the games and it was terrible. <laughs> That's exactly it. Um, I mean, there's been a lot worse out there. It is a console. It does have its own games, but yeah. Um, it looks like there's about 66 games. Holy crap. <laughs> I, didn't yeah. think there, I thought there would only be like a handful of them and it, it faded out. Yeah. Some Chinese only. A lot of them are, how should we put it politely, very similar to other games, shall we say, that's been released for it. Yeah, they, they were uh, they were trying to make knockoffs that were terrible knockoffs, so they weren't even good knockoffs. Exactly. Yep, so you've got a knockoff of a knockoff, and yeah, joy did not ensue for the kids who got one for Christmas because it was slightly cheaper than a Game Boy. It's pretty amazing how Nintendo, with limited technology compared to their competitors because i actually had a Lynx too because i was a spoiled shit i actually had a turbo <laughs> turbo express i actually got one you could actually still yes ha- i can see it there yes fa- the but turbo it- express are amazing i need to get mine recapped actually the sound has gone on mine but amazing oh, consoles yeah that was an issue with them with the caps that was a big issue mm. a lot of times if you look for them on ebay they, they'll tell you if they're recapped or not yeah, very important if you're buying one. I had mine capped so the screen is spot on. Then the sound went. So <laughs> why didn't I get both the caps done at once? I don't know. Oh wow! So you had a double. Usually it's the sound that goes and not the screen. I actually have a. I purposely got the original screen because I wanted to see the original experience. I could have gotten it with. They have the nice new LCD in there, but oh yes, no, I don't have no one of those because, as you say, it's not the original experience, is it? You yeah, may as well just be emulating on something. That's what I was thinking. I'm like, I'm like, I want to see what I was playing when I was ten back in 1991. I don't want to if I if I have a clean screen, I'll just get an emulator for my phone or or like a tablet. Like, yeah, absolutely. Knock it up on your laptop, whatever. The only exception I have one of the Will Mod Game Gears, but that's because I've never managed to have a Game Gear where the screen lasted for more than about four months. <laughs> it was either that or just never play the game. And the Game Gear screen was so bad. It was a passive. Yes. 
even yeah. back when they were new. I, that's why I never wanted one. It's funny. I had a Lynx. The Lynx wasn't that much better, but a little bit. But if, if you, even when I was a kid, I remember all the, like, oh, your Game Boy sucks. I have a Game Gear and I would I'm like, but I feel like I have cataracts playing this. If you move, <laughs> everything's blurry. Everything just turned. <laughs> okay, great. It's in color, but unless you play like, like, uh, what the hell was their Tetris game? I can't think of it right now. It was like a Tetris uh, Columns. Time. Columns. Like, what the hell are you going to play on it? You know? Yeah. And the battery life was shit. I think the battery life was worse on that, and I'm going by fade, faded memory, than it was on the Turbo Express. Yeah, you know, you're right. I think the Game Gear was worse than the Lynx, even. I mean, the Lynx was a battery eater by any stretch, but the, I think the Game Gear was the lowest battery life of all those consoles, if I remember correctly. I remember a friend showing me one, and they had <clears throat> the Sonic the Hedgehog game, the first one. It's like... Oh my god, this looks amazing. Run to the right, everything blurs out. I, how do you even play it? <laughs> yeah, it was it, it, that's the thing platformers. I remember a friend of mine got him. You're you're wiping the cobwebs off my brain right now. This guy named Kyle. <laughs> I was at a sleepover at his house as a kid. And I remember playing Sonic on there. Like, oh, Sonic on a portable. That's awesome. Oh, wow, I'm moving. I can't see a goddamn thing. So I never <laughs> yeah. want to play th- That's what made me not want it. That's what made me not want it. <laughs> That exactly the same thing happened to me. It's why I had a Lynx and a Game Boy, yeah? Although the, the Lynx, great system, but the yeah, not that many great games for it, sadly. Yeah, it's such a shame, too, because the Lynx, I had one of those as a kid, too, and it was really good. It was a really powerful system for its time. It did 3D. It did... Uh, yeah, had really powerful sprite scaling chips and stuff. Um I mean, there's some great games for it, but so few were released as compared to any of the other handhelds that, you know, percentage-wise, you're just not going to get as many great games as the others, you know. I can totally understand people preferring the Game Gear back in the day, even with the screen, just because, oh, I can play Shinobi, I can play Sonic, I can play Mm -hmm. whatever, whereas we're sort of, you know, scrapyard dogs all right. (laughs) You know, it's about the best we had. I'm trying to, they had some, they had a game called Toki, that was pretty good for the Lynx. It's an excellent arcade conversion. One of the best versions. Yeah, and they had um, it was like a racing game. It was literally 3D, and I did it's oh yeah, Stun Runner, Stun Runner, and it's so funny because as a kid I didn't appreciate that, but thinking back, I I watch videos on it now, and I'm like, holy crap! That's I can't believe that system was friggin' doing that back in the early 90s. It's amazing. The Lynx version of Stun Runner is absolutely amazing, and this was the time when. Even the powerful home computers at the time, like the Commodore Amiga, Atari ST and that, oh, the Stunrunner versions are bad, properly bad. The 8-bit computer's terrible. Um, it didn't really work properly in any of the consoles, except the Lynx, which is amazing. I mean, I'm not saying it's like the greatest game ever, because, you know, the arcade game's not fantastic, but it's still pretty good. But from a technical standpoint, it's unbelievable what they did with that game, really is. The thing about the Lynx, though, is that that was not a. It made the Game Gear. If I remember, you actually may have your hands on both of them. It made the Game Gear seem small. If I mm. even even the refined Lynx <laughs> made the Game Gear like they had the different Lynx. I forgot what they improved on it, but that's the one that I had, and it was a huge system. It's so the thing about it is it's bigger, absolutely, in the sort of. Um, standard form factor but the depth you don't realize how deep it is until you hold one it's like you've got a house brick with a screen on it it's sort of playing it's, away it's thick yeah it's a thing i had a lynx one first and the lynx goodness it's like two house bricks glued together <laughs> you know, it's massive thing. yeah it was really wide like it wasn't even just thick it was a long system yeah yeah very quickly did they change over to the Lynx 2, and you can understand why, because the others... I mean, the Game Boy is so portable. <laughs> You've got your Lynx, which is like two and a half times the size, you know. I feel like you're taking half your house with you. Well, I guess that's how they got the powerful hardware in there, because of the fact that, you know, you were basically putting... It was a console. It was basically a home console with a screen on it. So, yeah, absolutely. Something like a Nomad or similar. And what was interesting about the Game Gear is that that was just basically... a. Uh, Sega Master System with a slightly slight resolution change on the screen. That's probably why the battery life sucked on it. Yeah, yes, absolutely. It wasn't built to be handheld, was it? So, yeah, it got through your AA batteries quicker than setting them on fire. Now, I have some other friends from the UK, and the NES was the NES wasn't that big over there, was it? Like it was in the states? No, it, it really wasn't a thing. I mean, it existed, and you could kind of. 
buy it, um, from, but from weird places like import shops and some chemists or something absolutely ridiculous like that. Because um, Nintendo basically just went, nah, I'm not going to release it in Europe now. I'm going to bother. We'll, we'll give the license. I think it was to Mattel produce the first few. And then after a while, they were like, oh, we should have got in on this. And then they sort of produced their own ones. But by that time, the big problem was you had your ZX Spectrum and your Commodore 64, Amstrad CPC, all these 8-bit microcomputers we all had, which were very cheap to buy. And the games came on tape. And the thing about a game on tape is you can copy it by putting it in your dad's twin deck ghetto blaster thing and just recording onto a blank cassette. No way, really? Yep. So you you got a lot of games for free because if somebody bought a game... Everybody else just copied it, because why not? You know, the originals still work. Whereas Nintendo games, the cartridges were horrendously priced, because never properly released over here, not in any real capacity anyway. And as a result, you would buy these cartridges, which were like so much more expensive than the other games. And it's very hard to convince your parents um, to buy this sort of obscure... Um, box with incredibly expensive games that you can't copy off people, or the same thing everybody else has got, where you can get a load of games for the price of a blank C60. And you uh, and you guys on top of it never had the, the crash like we had in the States. Like, our video game market imploded and no one realizes that wasn't a worldwide thing. Everyone thinks it was a worldwide thing. It's not. No, you're absolutely spot on there. A uh, lot of uh, younger uh, British people think we all had NESs and Crash was a thing, and I think just because they watch so much YouTube, and YouTube is very sort of American-centric on that kind of stuff. But yeah, yeah, our just eight-bit micros just kept going as they were, really, and moved into the sixteen-bit Atari ST and Amiga. Then um, the Game Boy was massive over here, absolutely massive. Um, oh, and that's then interesting. By the time, sorry, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. That that's interesting. So the NES didn't make a splash over there, but the Game Boy was huge. Oh yeah, the Game Boy was absolutely huge. Yeah, huge um, advertising campaigns. Yeah, massive success. And then by the time we'd gone into sort of Super Nintendo and Mega Drive, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, the consoles had absolutely taken over games. Um, just due to the ease of it, really, and the fact the games were a lot better. Let's be honest. Yeah, the systems um, like the. Amstrad and they seemed very limited. Like I, I forgot, was it the ZX Spectrum that were like color palettes? Like everything had to be a certain color. Like absolutely, yep. The entire screen, you can draw your pixels wherever you want, um, black and white, like literally black and white. Then color is applied afterwards in kind of a layer and in blocks. Um, yeah, eight blocks. I can't remember, but each block can only be two different colors. So. And when people did make colorful games that look good on the spectrum, they were basically geniuses and should have immediately been snapped up by NASA because it's one of the hardest things to do. Yeah, because most of the games I see, it's, as an American, it's fascinating because I never had a, Z, a ZX or ZX Spectrum. And to see how they're like, why do they look? So, and someone finally explained to me how the color palettes work. I'm like, oh, because the game, like, why is like everything in a certain spot red? Why is everything in a certain <laughs> spot blue? Yeah, that's it, exactly it. It looks like they gave a five-year-old crayons and just said, rub all over the screen. <laughs> it's one of those things where you'd see occasionally screenshots of NES games and Wow! My God, this—they're like living on in the future in America with these games. They look, you know, spot on. Everything's moving smoothly. See that in my photo, but yeah, I mean, the Commodore sixty-four can do much better color-wise, but generally lower resolution. And the Amstrad, again, lower resolution but very good color palette. But nobody ever really put the effort into Amstrad games as they should have done. A lot of them were just weak conversions of the Spectrum ones. So you'd buy your Amstrad computer, which could have like amazing colors, and you'd load the game up, and it's monochrome because it's a Spectrum conversion. They couldn't be bothered to actually change up properly. Such a shame for the people who did that. So was the Amiga big over there too? Yes, huge, absolutely huge. Yeah, Atari ST was quite big as well. Um those were pretty much the only 16 bits. The Acorn Archimedes existed, but was very expensive. And generally, you wouldn't see one outside a, a school. Schools are quite keen on the Acorns. Um, but yeah, oh yeah, that was absolutely yeah, That was my big sort of computer thing for years. I had an Atari ST then. When that started to die off, moved on to an Amiga. And, and then, 
yeah, that started to die off basically. And but by that time, you could actually afford to buy an IBM PC, which you know was powerful enough to run decent games. Basically, as soon as you saw Doom, that killed them. That really did. Well, it's so funny you say that though, because back in like the, the mid to late eighties, having I would always get like a my dad would get me a PC game, and they would show like CGA, which looked like barf, literally. Um, because you could only have like those four friggin' pastel colors. Yes. Sort of bright cyan and magenta. It it looked like, yeah, it just looked like the Easter bunny took a shit on the screen. And then you would have EGA, which looked okay. But then you would have Amiga and Amiga. It was like, oh my God, that looks like the arcade version of Double Dragon or Castlevania or whatever the case may be. But it was, yeah, it was interesting. All of a sudden, like in the early, like once Doom came, Doom, I feel is like what was the death knell almost for Amiga. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's what I feel like. No, you are absolutely right because of the way the Amiga's, uh, the way the Amiga drew graphics basically meant it was incredibly processor intensive for it to do any sort of scaling. Um, whereas due to the way the PC drew, grew, if I can say it properly, due to the way the PC drew graphics, it could, um, with, I mean, they had more powerful processors anyway, but with less sort of effort, get all this smooth scrolling stuff so the last couple of years of the amiga's life so many of the games are just attempts at doom clones yes they really are <laughs> please buy our game don't run over to pc land yet but some of them are all right um by the time you'd got an accelerated amiga 1200 you could actually kind of run doom there wasn't a version of doom but technically you could have run it you know um but yeah that was absolutely the death of it was such a game changer because it's, it's such a great game, obviously. But also, there's just something about a first-person shooter running at a high frame rate, which, yeah, was revolutionary at the time. Well, that's why you're seeing that. And it's so funny, because I wasn't on board with this, but after experiencing with a 144 hertz monitor, I like it's you can't go back. Like, What's up? And Siri just went off. But... <laughs> but <laughs> go ahead. Oh, did you 144 hertz monitor? It's it's ordering like five of them off of Amazon right now. Oh Siri, go away! Hold on one second. I'm leaving. I'm leaving that in the podcast. It's always entertaining when Siri comes on. But uh, yeah, it's like once you go to 144 hertz, it's just the feeling. Like it just it's such a direct response from the mouse to, or even the gamepad to the screen. It is pretty incredible. And you know, it's funny when I was. I used to not care, but then once you go to that, it's like doing even 60 frames per second now feels like 30 once you go to those high refresh rates. Do you know, I've not properly played on a 144 hertz monitor because I'm trying to avoid, because I know as soon as I do, I want one. And I I kind of need the 4K resolution for video editing. So, I mean, I, I presume 4K 144 monitors exist. They're probably so expensive you could buy a house instead or something. Well, it's not even that. It's just the process, the GPU processing power that you'll need to run the game at a 4K. <laughs> this is entirely true. Yes, my god. I, I yeah. yeah. Imagine 4K. Oh my god. You're not even you doing a- that. You're not even doing that with a 2080 Ti unless you're doing like mid yeah. to low settings. Yeah. So that's even the thing. I know they have like I know they have 4K 120. They may have higher than that. I'm not sure, but. You're not doing it. <laughs> like, yeah, my, yeah, that's horrendous. We're years off that, really, aren't we? My God. So what do you if think? If you had a GPU that powerful, you'd probably just be using it to mine Bitcoin, to be honest. And, light, and lighting it. That's why there's a billion cheap GPUs on eBay right now, because they're uh, the leftover corpses of uh, the whole uh, mining craze. Ah, they're now selling them off. Yeah, but you kind of don't want them because they're <clears throat> they're like limping to their graves. Oh, of course, because they've been on permanently at absolute maximum for like months and years on end. Yes, and you and you know yeah. that people who are and you know that people who are mining with those they're not taking care of. They're not blowing the dust out. So they're. It, I actually yeah. got an RX four eighty, and I'm like, oh wow, that's cheap. It was like eighty bucks, and I get it, and it smelled like cigarettes and death. So <laughs> it was disgusting. <laughs> I took it out and I showed it to my dad. I, got to, I went to my parents' house and I, I took it out. And my dad went, what the hell is that smell? I'm like, I think he ashed his cigars out on it. I'm not sure. I, I, you've, re- you've reminded me many years ago, 
A colleague of mine at the time bought a second-hand Dreamcast back when they were still relatively new. <clears throat> and uh, it was entirely yellow. We were like, oh, my God, have they left oh. that in a window or something? No, it was nicotine. And the stench from it was unbelievable. And when he he's, it turned it on in the office to make sure it worked... And the stench, it was just like pouring out this tobacco smell from the back of it. Oh, from the fan. Yeah, yeah. It was awful. And the fan was all clogged up with like fibrous, I don't know, some sort of tobacco um, side effect. Oh, it was, I'd forgotten that. The smell from it was unbelievable. I think he got it cleaned up in the end, but. Yeah, he probably had to. He probably had to rebuild the whole system. So I'm sure all the belts for like the drive, the this did what a GD ROM drive. I forgot that's what they called it, and all that was probably all crispy and toasted. And oh yeah, oh that doesn't bear thinking about, does it? My God, they hadn't even been out that long. So this guy must have really changed near it. People are so disgusting. Do you ever see the videos? There's a guy called Tektronix on YouTube where he opens up PlayStation 4s and there's colonies of roaches inside of them. <laughs> oh, yes. I have come across those, yeah. Like, what conditions... I mean, okay, if you're in an apartment building, I'll give you... You could be the cleanest person on the planet. You have a disgusting neighbor, then fine. Mm. But you know that's not true for every person. What do you have going on in your house that there's literally colonies of roaches living in your game consoles? Like, he opened it up... <laughs> He opened it up. I, I'm going to, when I edit this later, I'm going to clap now just to know to show the footage. He opened it up. There was literally, hun- like, let's say dozens of roaches, maybe hundreds, running around the PlayStation 4. Oh, my goodness. You know that's not good for airflow. <laughs> not good for not good for airflow, and you'll probably catch Ebola from the console, too. <laughs> so disgusting, man. Uh, have you ever worked in tech support? Yes. Have you ever worked uh, directly with customers in tech support? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, I did, yeah, a technical desk at PC World in the UK. What is your worst story of a dirty PC or keyboard or whatever? Well, there's two, and I'll, I'll, I'll do the Cliff Notes version. There was one guy, I believe, that was a priest, that it was very obvious that he was probably masturbating in front of his laptop, oh. and, the keys, and the keys were stuck down. I'm not kidding. I wish, oh. I, wish I was. I, I don't know why. Oh. I, I know. I, don't, I, have a, I have a series called Retail Horror Stories. I don't know why I've ever told that. Then there was this guy who came in. I, I don't know what he did. He's like, oh, I have a warranty on this laptop. And he has like a box. It was closed. He opens it up. It was literally just a bunch of plastic pieces. Like he must either someone smashed it. It wasn't. There was nothing that was even recognizable. I'm like. Dude, okay, we talk about something being broken. We're meaning like you drop it in the screen cracks. Like I had, and he was getting pissed off, and he was obviously, I don't know, hired. You could smell something on him. And I'm like, this is not even a, a product. You could have like, <laughs> you could have went on the side of the road and just picked up a bunch of random pieces of plastic. We can't cover this. Yeah, I could do the same thing right now and come in with a box. But yeah, that the, there was, and then there was one time I went to someone's because I used to work. Um, I'm going to really, I'm going to guilt myself here, but the company's not even up. I used to steal work from Circuit City. Like if a customer came and wanted to get their computer fixed, me and my dad had like a side business. Be like, yeah, don't, we'll, we'll fix it cheaper. And I made a killing that way. And they never, they didn't, they almost, well, by the time I, they didn't catch on until I was already putting my two weeks in there to go work for IBM. So <laughs> this guy, he was a nice guy. He was a DJ, but for some reason on the computers in his house, his wife, who wasn't really an attractive woman, was like wearing see-through lingerie as the wallpaper on all of the. Uh... Oh yeah. Um... Oh oh, that... Ashens, you just said. What were you going to say? I'm sorry. My God, that's, yeah, you've. I certainly can't beat the priest one. That that's awful. The worst we got was I think a keyboard with a colony of ants in it. But uh, as for people bringing in rude things, that. We had one uh, gentleman, shall we say, he was anything but a gentleman, bring in his PC. Um, as you would, they did this thing called a health check, where once a year you'd bring a PC in and we'd just basically virus check and give it back to you. It was a total waste of time. But, um, yeah, brought it in, hand it over. We plug it in, and indeed all the background of the, or the desktop background and the screensaver and everything are pictures of his attractive Asian wife who's about half his age in various poses and things. <laughs> oh, really, guy? You're not impressing anybody with this. You just come across a right sort of dirty old man. And then he sent her in to pick it up. That was the worst thing. 
I don't understand. Like, is it because people don't have shame or they just forget? Like, that, that's the million-dollar question. I, I think this was done on purpose to show off this one. I really do, especially with the way you sent her in at the end. But, uh, you were reminded... What were going to say? I'm sorry. Oh, no. You, go for it. Your turn. You, you reminded me of one more story. It, it, there was another guy at Circuit City who came in. This is where Windows Vista just came out. You know how oh. Windows Vista, in the top corner, you had pictures that it would just scroll through the pictures that you had on your computer? So he was a nice guy normally talking to me. And, you know, you see the generic pictures they had, generic picture they had. Then all of a sudden there's pictures of him holding his penis, just completely <laughs> naked, completely naked, and he, in different poses. And I'm sitting there, and he's, like, asking me questions about Vista. And he's casually, he, he's casually just saying this. And he had, you know, I don't know if he was trying to ignore it because he was embarrassed or he just didn't care. I'm like, oh, there, there's his balls and penis right now. I don't really want to see this. And he's asking me about drivers while I'm sitting there watching, like, a softcore porn from him. <laughs> that's the kind of shit you dealt with, man. <laughs> and if you, Oh, my God. That's, a, that's an extreme one. Oh. That, and that's happened <laughs> a few other times, too. Um, oh, sorry about it. No, no, finish. <laughs> but, but, yeah. There's no other specific stories, but that's happened a few times. Yeah. But continue. That's, a, that's an amazing just this image of it trying to talk to him out of the corner of your eyes and they're just his ball yeah his balls are up on the top of the screen (laughs) now that's a screensaver Uh, years ago like years and years ago i bought off ebay an oco one which is like a handheld windows xp machine that basically gets too hot and doesn't run properly and the resolution isn't quite enough it's awful bought it to review and i never reviewed it in fact actually up on the wall there behind me because uh, when I first got it, I turned it on, made sure it was working. Oh, brilliant. Connecting to Dropbox, downloading. Oh, this will take ages. 20 minutes later, I was, hang on. If it's connected to Dropbox, I've literally just got it out of the box. I haven't connected it to or anything. So I was, oh, God, run in. Stop doing this. And it downloaded this guy's files who'd had it previously. And half of them seemed to be looked like medical certificates or something in that he was um, qualifying to be a doctor or something. Oh, God, delete. You know, it's none of my business. And the other half were, um, I think the t- technical term is coprophagia, but it was basically him eating shit. No! Um, yeah. And because I, I remember thinking, why are there so many pigs him, like, eating a chocolate bar and this? Uh, <laughs> that's so you just beat me what are you talking about that's worse than anything i just said yeah i totally feel that wasn't to do with text <laughs> but i put it back in the box and i've not looked at it since and that was like six or seven years i really should try and get over that and get that out and review it but uh oh that was yeah i mean if you've got dropbox on your pc and you sell your pc Disconnect the account. Don't just delete the folder because it will just repropagate as soon as you turn it back. Well, what's scary too is he was while well, if it was him eating the shit, you know his hands were probably on that keyboard no. too. Or even oh, no, I never thought. Or, I don't know if they were him. So I don't know. Well, but even on the I flip side, so. even on the flip side, if that's his fetish. That means that yeah. he couldn't have been that sanitary of a guy. So Lord knows what else he was doing while he was looking at the pictures. I mean, uh, oh, I might rinse under the tap. <laughs> I mean, if you're sitting there looking at pictures of people eating shit, that's what gets you off. You know, you don't, I don't think you're really caring. I don't think you're really caring what you're getting on the keyboard of that laptop. <laughs> just, just give that wipe down. Oh, oh God. Yeah, it's you know you've, you've somehow made that even worse. It's man, it's bad. Yeah. It's bad. And the thing is that, yeah, there's been other laptops I've got too. That you know, one was the guy was a doctor, um, or he no, he was a nurse practitioner, and nothing bad. But you could see that like all he did in his free time was go to porn sites. Oh, yeah, it's lonely fella. Yes, no, he was married. Oh, <laughs> doesn't mean he's not lonely though. We we could go, <laughs> yeah. we could well, go yeah. into that complex term. But uh, yeah, you don't you you really when you work on that stuff, and you know too now from what you just said, you'd get to know people in ways that you don't want to. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff comes up that you wish you could unsee, but you never can. No, you can't. How long did you do tech support stuff for? About three, about full calendar year, I think. I just got so sick of it. Oh, it was just well, you know, you know just as well as I do exactly what it's like. And yeah, people are not very understanding either. 
that's the other part. Oh, are they not? Like, oh, yeah. So, oh, God. And if anything goes wrong, it's always your even if they've brought in the wrong computer or whatsoever has happened. Uh, I remember doing uh, the returns desk the day after Boxing Day, which is the first time it's open after Christmas. And uh, actually, I've been on Boxing Day, I think, actually. Now, oh, that was awful. People coming in, you ruined our Christmas because little Billy's bunny rabbit game didn't work. How oh, do you see... Billy's Bunny Rabbit game needed a graphics card with at least two megabytes of RAM and texture and lighting support, and you have a PlayStation 2. So Billy's Bunny Rabbit game wasn't ever going to work, was it? You know, oh, But it's all your fault. They want everything returned. More money than they paid for it. Dear. And it's, it's what also boggles my mind, too, working in there, is that how many people just treat their stuff like garbage. It... Yeah. I mean, I can understand, okay, something happens, you drop it, it falls. But just the way that they would come in, there would be keycaps off on the laptops. There would be, you could see they pushed on, you know how like where you could tell someone pushes on the screen and it would be like a light spot where oh, they push? Yes. Like, why yeah. do you need, it's not a touchscreen laptop. Why are you touching the screen? That's like my number one rule is if I see a fingerprint on a TV or a screen, it drives me insane. It drives there me. There was a whole group of us who would absolutely have agreed. That's yeah, and laptops at the time, especially even the basic models, were so expensive. Like, how could you just buy this and then just prod it and then eat over it and then, as you say, keycaps missing? Um, or the other classic from laptops: CD, DVD drive snapped off. I never actually got that. I would always get that the hard drive was dead because people just would, they would walk around with it, and that was when all the drives were mechanical, and mm. it, so the, the head would bend up slapping against the plate, and it would be, it would kill it. Ah, yes. Yeah, we had a lot of dead hard drives from those things. Although, to be honest, some of the laptops we sold were so poor quality, I'm not surprised. But, but yeah, the, the, that was one of the worst ones, I think. It's not like they'd been using it as a drinks holder or something, and just the whole tray is missing. And I can't put my CDs in it. Well, well, of course you can't. You've removed the part that the CDs go in. I had someone come in with a desktop computer who thought that the CD-ROM tray was a place where you put drinks in. They literally thought it was a drinks hole. Yes. My God, we used to joke about that, but it happened. Yes, it actually happened. Wow. Yes, that actually happened at Circuit City. That actually (laughs) happened all, like, that that was dumb shit like, that only happened once, but dumb shit like that, people would ask questions that were absolutely amazing. Absolutely. (laughs) Like, like how could you, even if you don't know nothing about technology, how could you have that little common sense? It, it, it. Do you, uh, it's that thing of some people when presented with a computer they don't understand it fundamentally and all intelligence flies out of the window all reasoning and comprehension they just I don't understand this now I will totally ruin it or just not understand the basics of it because as you say there was a lot of very basic questions shall we say to be and that's why you know when you call for the, if if it's something that's like you have to call tech support to find out something, they ask you questions like, "Did you press the power button on the computer?" And like you get pissed off, like, mm. "Yeah," but I'm thinking to myself, "All right, I get it," because I know there are people out there who literally don't know that. Yes, as the old joke about, "Have you turned it off?" But that really does fix most things, and surprisingly, the amount of people who don't try it. Yeah, and but I got. I'm glad I got out of that though. I was. I mean, once I went, it was funny. One of the customers I quote unquote stole from Circuit City. Um, it was this older couple, and the strangest thing was both of them. Their stomachs were gurgling and farting. The they were farting the entire time I was fixing their computer, and I'm like, I'm not kidding. I remember, and I, I'm just like, yeah, I can't. I mean, I'm making decent money right now, but I know it can't last forever. And I, I just, I don't want to hear, I don't want someone farting basically in my face as I'm trying to fix their laptop. I remember there was an old couple, they were both sitting in chairs, and one stomach would gurgle, the other one would slip out a fart, and then vice versa. <laughs> a tag team system. Yes. It was a tag team ass system, man. <laughs> And their ha- and their oh. and their house stunk too. That was a thing because I would do I, like Circuit City. Like they did the calls a little bit, but not the way I would do them. So people would like that. Like I would be less money, and I would go out to their house. So you would. There were some pe- their their house stunk too. That was the other thing. Besides from their asses, there he could just tell it was like 
they they didn't know a vacuum was invented yet so uh, oh yes yeah i never had to go out to people's houses thankfully we had other people that did that and they would come in the shop for supplies and stuff and some of the stories they would tell yeah yeah, yeah. i'm glad i never got into that so youtube now kind of feel like we're going back is it's your full-time gig or you're doing something outside of youtube along with it or? yeah youtube is the is the vast majority certainly the vast majority of what earns them um but uh, i do some script work and bits and bobs uh, on the side to keep things keep my hand in other things in case youtube catches fire one day which hey could happen change yeah. the algorithm into flame or something um but yeah it's the vast majority of what i do You've done some television stuff too, haven't you? Never television or stuff. I've written for the B, wrote some stuff for the BBC once, but it was all online stuff. Doing a lot of online comedy bits at the time. We, I co-wrote a series and presented for that. Then co-wrote another series and presented that off the back of it. Um, but they were very small time stuff. It just appeared on the BBC's website, basically. Oh, that's still that's still awesome, though, man. What do you? Yeah, it was good. At, it was good at the time. It was good at the time. We we did some good stuff. I unfortunately don't have decent cop. You broke up there for a second. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, annoyingly, I don't have decent copies of it. Um, in fact, the second series we did is mostly lost. Standing, I'm trying to get somebody to sort of worm their way into the archives of the production company and see if they can find a sort of backup of it or something. Ah, oh, shame. It's always sad when things that you put my work into have just sort of gone forever. Yeah, just like my uh, Mr. Repsion podcast. It, it, I have an audio of it, but the video of it completely disappeared. But it, oh, yeah. I don't know, man. My hard drive imploded. It was that I had that was where I had the backup of it, and I can't find the original one. So yeah, good times. Ah, oh, that's frustrating. So what what frustrates you the most about YouTube now? compared to older YouTube, since you've been here longer than, I think the only person who's on here as long as you is maybe AVGN. What frustrates you about the platform? For me, almost entirely, it's the fact that they just won't necessarily inform people that you've put a new video out. You know, they've got some sort of system for that, haven't they? It's, oh, how many have you uploaded recently? Have they been watching a lot of your stuff recently? If not, we might not bother telling them you put something out. And, oh, that that's so inf- frustrating. That infuriates me. And I would, it's, I hate saying it because then people say, oh, Rich, people just don't want to watch your stuff. And I'm like, no, you're not understanding. It's literally someone who tells me in the comments, I'm subscribed to you. Why don't I see your videos in my feed? And what is with the bell? What, <laughs> don't forget to like and subscribe and bell yes i mean what do you see your take i'll let you talk what is your take on the bell i think it's the most ridiculous thing ever but i'll let you talk first well it's it's great because generally if i've subscribed to something and therefore want to know the updates i then really want to have to press an entirely separate second thing for those updates to actually come through like i don't understand it fundamentally like if i didn't want updates i wouldn't have subscribed to the channel that's why I subscribe to the channel, so you tell me when something new comes. Why do I have to click a bell as well? And then still it doesn't often come through. Oh. But then you've, there's two layers of the bell. There's, okay, you click the bell. Okay, so I want notifications. Then you have to say, no, no, I really, really want notifications. I didn't know that. There's two. Yeah. Oh, has a second stage. <laughs> okay, let me, let me make I'm just going to go to a random YouTube channel just to make sure I'm not I'm going gonna, insane. This is mad. No, I'm, yeah, I'm not okay. Who is? I'm no, I'm subscribed to you. What is just? Let me go to a trending page. Just to, all right. So here, boom, boom. Yes, if I subscribe, there's bell. There's all or personalized or none. What does personalized mean? I don't know. <laughs> what? Yeah, I, I knew I was oh. okay. I just had to make sure because I didn't want to give misinformation. Yes, you have to. So I guess if they're like, okay, the algorithm really thinks this video. So what the hell is the point of subscribing? Because if I don't hit, if I want the bell at all, they may never send the videos out. I mean, the whole point of subscribing, what it does, is tell YouTube, please tell me when a new video comes out. So the existence of the bell is bizarre in itself. But then to have multiple systems of the bell, I would like a personalized bell, please. What does that mean? I don't know. Great. Thanks. That makes our job so much easier. And it's what bothers me is that I see it. It's not just I see it like 
once in a while. I would say almost under every video that I do. I don't know if you notice the same thing. People say, I don't see your videos in my feed. So you know how many many people that is that you might be missing out on that maybe not be watching your stuff just because they don't know it exists? And this is why the algorithm is so important because if it isn't being pushed out to a general audience, they're not telling your subscribers. So who is it going to? You know. I, I meet people in the street sometimes and say, oh, I used to really like your videos. Yeah, Pete, you stopped doing them. No, so they're still going on at least once a week. Well, I haven't seen one for years. And they'll get their phone out and go, well, well I'm subscribed. Why, why isn't it in the feed? And, I don't know, because YouTube knows best. And what boggles me, what boggles my mind about that is don't you think that YouTube, wouldn't it be in their best interest for more people to watch our videos? Because they, they mean, they get the same, they get a bigger, they get a cut of our revenue too. So I don't understand it unless it's in their interest to push other channels that will be more advertiser friendly. This, this is exactly it. They want, it's all about keeping eyes on the platform. So they want somebody to watch something which will last as long as possible and then watch something else afterwards and just to keep them on that, well, on the site so that they can serve them as many ads as possible. Yeah. And it seems to be working for them, so they're not going to change it probably. But the delicious irony is, is that what do you think of what happened with Kappa? Oh, I had a real bad time with Kappa. <laughs> a real bad time. Did you really? Um, yes. Um, it cuts a very long story short. Um, obviously, a lot of my channel is sort of, you know, here's a bad toy and all this kind of stuff. And I was basically told that um, what you're going to have to do is anything that contains toys or that a child might like potentially, even if it's clearly not aimed at them, you have to mark them all as for kids and lose all your monetization. No. This isn't good going forward. Now, then I heard from somebody else in the same position as other person, the complete opposite. No, no, for God's sake, don't mark anything as um, child-friendly because your your channel's clearly adult. Which, what... What do I do? Which, you know, end up having to get a sort of third external party <laughs> to kind of um, come up with an answer and eventually worked out that, yeah, I shouldn't be marking anything as for kids due to the nature of the channel. So what was the now you said you had a really bad time with it. Did you get affected by it or was it but just that? Fortunately, sh- not. It was more a sort of the uh, the emotional panic thing of I spent a month thinking I'm now going to have to go through, turn off monetization to a load of videos. And now in the future... I can't do old toys and stuff. I love doing old toys. It really sort of ramps down what you can do in the future with the channel. It's a massive problem. And then ultimately, when it came through to the end of it, oh, it's fine. And actually makes no difference whatsoever. So, yeah, the same, the same thing with me. I, I didn't stress over it because I knew the stuff I talked about was, but man, that must have, that must have freaked you out. I feel terrible. That, that was, yeah, that was not a good month, put it that but it had the right outcome, so I'm not going to complain too much. But yeah, but it's just astonishing that it can be a thing that YouTube can ignore a law for so many years, get fined as a result, but then somehow the onus is on the creators and not them because we're not collecting metadata from under 13s. We don't have access to it even. No. So why is it us who is legally liable for it? Most bizarre thing. And what's even more amazing, let's take that not only were they ignoring the laws and then they put they put the responsibility on us, is that until COPPA put the smack and FTC put the smack, they were they wanted more of that kind of content on the website because it was more advertiser friendly. So they, yes, they're absolutely right. Yeah, they were certainly pushing in that. Well, they, <clears throat> no question of it. So think about it. All these people that were in went to youtube to char- start these child-friendly channels so they thought that it was the gold rush imagine you started to get off the ground and then all of a sudden oh yeah remember that whole thing we were really trying to promote yeah no no you're done you call you quit your oh you quit your nine to five and now you, you were paying your mortgage with youtube ah oh, that sucks yeah you know that thing we were bigging up and pushing and promoting and all that well actually no no just just forget it just forget it. you can keep doing it but you won't get any money Anyway, enjoy. It, it's just interesting to me, too, is that on the flip side with how volatile this website has been, it's been like the most stable form of income for me. I don't know about you, but it's... Yeah, I've, I've very rarely done freelance stuff in the past. I always had sort of a standard, you know, salary job. So every, I'm used, or I was <laughs> many years ago, used to something sort of more stable. But 
Um, yeah, I've never... My income's been all right. I mean, it's, it's not sort of veered up or anything, but I think because my content is so sort of diverse and so weird, it never quite... It, whilst it never quite shoots up in the air like some of the Let's Play channels did years ago and all that sort of stuff, but equally it never gets totally destroyed. So I've managed to sort of carve a niche and live there. That, and, that, and that's smart too because you're giving advice that I kind of give as well is that make your channel be where it could be – maybe not about everything, but like there's – look little look at the, the Call of Duty community, how – that was so big in like the late 2000s, early 2010s. And who minus a, maybe a couple people, most of them have imploded now. And I think that's what's made you so successful is that you could kind of, your, your channel's pliable to a degree. You know, you're not, you're not. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh, because the problem is if you're doing something like, um, <clears throat> when they first changed the algorithm to promote watch time more than, sheer views when they killed off the animators if you remember that oh, yeah. um, and then suddenly it was oh the let's plays we can just you know we'll play our video game and we'll upload two two hour videos a day and oh the money's rolling in and all that but now all you do is play that one game and then as you say things are going to change and when that game isn't so popular now you may not be able to move it into another one you need to have a bit of diverse stuff at the start also of course it'll drive you mad if you're only doing one thing over and over um you're not going to be able to keep interested in it properly um it's best to have maybe one or two video threads that while they're not as popular as the others don't just can them off because a they might be more popular in the future but b they may be what keeps your interest <clears throat> and keeps you happy and making the stuff. Because if you're bored with what you're producing, the audience will spot that a mile off. They it get, comes through in everything. So true. They could smell it a mile away. They, they could smell when your disinterest is there, even if you, no matter how, you could be an Academy Award winning actor and they could still see through it. You know? Yep, absolutely. You've got that layer of, uh, I don't know what you'd call it. Um, uh, that sort of weird personal sort of connection that you don't have necessarily with other types of media. Whilst it is very slight, it's enough for the audience to smell when something's wrong. Yeah, and, and that's the reason why I think you've been so successful too, is that people could tell, no matter, you can, whether it be you're reviewing a smartphone or rotten food from 200 years ago, they could tell that you're definitely connected with what you're doing and you're actually interested in it and you enjoy it. You know, so... Yeah, I mean, it does cost you money because <clears throat> I won't do something I'm not interested in, but equally, I can still do it. And it's never driven me mad or made me want to delete the channel and go off and be a fisherman or something. Yeah, yeah me either. Go, go. People tell me I should go work at the post office. I don't think so. <laughs> so <laughs> no, oh man, no. that doesn't sound fun. No, especially nowadays too. So, All right, my friend. It's been awesome having you on the show. Um, tell them, are you doing anything interesting in the future you want to talk about? Or Yes, yeah, our second feature film, Ashens and the Polybius Heart, will be coming out in a couple of months, probably. Watch how much I cross my fingers and touch wood. Ugh, movies. But, uh, yeah, when that's out, give it a look. Buy it on iTunes or Google Play or your preferred vendor of digital stuff. Or buy it on disc. Look, please just buy and watch it. It'll be fun. All right. Awesome. I'll have a link to Ashton's YouTube channel below in the description. Guys, this was episode eight of the Exposed Podcast. And Ashton's, thank you so much for coming on. Not at all. Thanks for inviting me. Exposed. Not a problem. Exposed. Exposed.